to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series, Less is More. And this morning, we are going to look particularly at what it looks like to have less fear overwhelming us and more of God's peace filling us. We're going to look at our New Testament and Old Testament scriptures. We're going to look at our New Testament scripture first. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. But before we read, let us go to God in prayer. Holy God. Be with us in the next few moments. We ask that you would speak to each one of us through your living word. Help us to open our hearts and ears to the message that you have for us. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. So again, this is from John chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. Listen now for the word of the Lord. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, I have a confession. I, oh, it's not that juicy. (laughs) I am not the peaceful one in our home. Praise God for my husband, Jason. He is the calm in the storm. I am the storm. It's fine. Plus, it doesn't help that I'm kind of a thrill seeker too, kind of an adrenaline junkie. I'll tell you, in 2014, a small group of us from RPC went to the Yucatan to visit our mission partners. And so we served down there. And then on the last day, we came back up to Cancun to eat dinner and to rest before we flew out the next day. And so our hosts took us to a beach, for a, a local beach for dinner. And the team was sitting there, and one of our teammates looked over and saw a bungee-jumping tower that was over the Gulf of Mexico. So he says, oh, I I want to go do that. That would be awesome. And one of our hosts was like, I know the guy that runs that. And so, you know, I'm a good pastor. I want to make sure that my teammates aren't doing things alone. So I was like, I'll go with you. Okay, so we get to the bungee jumping tower and our host is talking to everybody in Spanish and all of a sudden we're bypassing the line and we're up on this very, very, very high tower. And then they give us waivers in Spanish that we signed. I don't know what we signed. And then 
the man running the, the tower puts the piece of Velcro around my ankle. The piece of Velcro. And that is when the fear set in. And I think it might have been a little bit too late. But the guy running the thing must have seen the fear flash in my eyes because he looked up at me and he said, don't worry, no one's died yet. And then he pushed me. I am still here. But I look back and I think I'm not sure that was the wisest decision. I had a child at home. Anyway, it's all good. And now when I look at our fearless four-year-old, I know I have no one to blame but myself. I'm sure Jason will agree. But fear is a complex emotion, right? It's one that we absolutely need for survival. But if it's overactive, it can be a major roadblock. It's amazing how something so essential for our survival can hinder our growth if we don't keep it in check. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Disney movie. It came out several years ago. It's called Inside Out. And in the movie, the, the viewer gets an inside look at the emotions of an 11-year-old girl. And we know there's a lot of emotions in an 11-year-old girl. But they look at joy, sadness, anger, disgust, and fear. In order for this little girl, her name is Riley, in order for her brain to function at the optimum level, all the emotions have to work together to maintain this emotional control board that's in her brain. And they each take turns in the driver's seat. Fear keeps Riley from getting hurt. But fear also begins each day by making a list of the millions of things that can go wrong. And he says things like, we didn't die today. I'd call that an unqualified success. Or he says things like when, he, when they're out in a crowd, did you see that face? I bet they're judging us. So when fear is in the driver's seat of the main emotional control board and it won't leave, the other emotions literally have to come in and lessen fear, take fear out of the driver's seat. Because if fear alone is in control of Riley's life, it will be a disaster. If fear alone is in control, Riley would suffer from analysis paralysis and decision fatigue. It would be too much of a good thing. And so if the movie Inside Out used scientific names for the characters, fear would be named the amygdala. It's the part of the brain that activates early warning signs and releases hormones to help keep us safe and protect us. God created us with a brain that houses an amygdala. This is not an accident. We need this to live a healthy and successful life and to not do ridiculous things that could cause us or others harm. But when fear gets in the driver's seat and won't leave, it can be detrimental. And we can end up being afraid of everything. Our Old Testament scripture tells us how God responds to a people in scripture that were fearful. And so he sends them this response through the prophet Isaiah. And we're going to read that right now. We're going to read Isaiah chapters 
43 verses 1 through 7. So listen again for the word of the Lord. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This again is the word of the Lord. This is such a beautiful passage. It's a passage of hope and redemption. And so one might think that the people that were actually hearing this from Isaiah would quickly give up the fear that they had and replace it with hope and peace. God is literally telling them that he's got them. He's got them from the north and the south and the east and the west. God is with them. They don't have to be afraid. They need to tell you about these people that Isaiah was speaking to or God was speaking to through Isaiah as a punishment for their ignorance and their disobedience. God had permitted Israel to, conquer, Israel to be conquered by the Babylonians and thrown into exile. And right before this passage at the end of chapter 42, God is letting the Israelites have it. He is telling them how angry he is and how disappointed he is with them. They have messed up, and now they've been taken over by the Babylonians. Their future is in grave doubt, and they feel like God has abandoned them. And I think it's hard for them to hear that hope when they're so filled with fear. Pastor Carter Lester, Lester calls them bloodied, bruised, and beleaguered. When God talks to them, though, he knows that they're fearful. He says it twice, do not fear. They fear being out of control. They fear oppression. They fear the past continuing to follow them. They fear the unknown future or lack thereof. So it's hard for them to hear the hope because all they're thinking about is fear. And we have this story in scripture of a people living in fear. And unfortunately, there's a million more like it, not just in scripture, but through history of humankind and certainly right now. It makes sense that both John Paul II in 1978 and Pope Benedict in 2005 use the words, do not fear, to begin their papacies. And a few years ago, Pope Francis told a group of seminarians that fear is one of the greatest obstacles in ministry. But I don't think that we really need the popes to tell us this, because we know the fears 
that we face. Right now, I'm not talking about the healthy fears that protect us. I'm talking about the unhealthy ones. And honestly, they're not much different than the ones the Israelites faced back back then. We have places in our lives that we fear because we can't control them. And so we hang on too tightly to the things we perceive that are in our control to the point that it can be detrimental. We fear someone in government leadership who might have different beliefs than ours. We fear judgment. We fear what growing up with the internet and social media will do to our children that are going to be the adults of tomorrow. We fear violence and wars. We fear missing out on things. We fear our past, those things that we regret, the things that paralyze us from moving forward. We fear that we won't ever move forward. And in the same breath, we fear moving forward because the future is unknown. Sometimes these fears are justified. But when we let those fears get in the driver's seat and stay there, it's hard to hear anything else. And our minds start going down trails that don't lead to peace. Just like the exiled people, I think I would offer that with all that is going on in our world, in our lives, that we have a culture of fear. We are bloodied, bruised, and beleaguered. And knowing the depths of the pain that this fear can cause makes the truth of God's response in this passage even that much more powerful and hopeful, and cause for us to shrink the fear in our lives and help us to soak in God's presence and peace, even when we're in troubled waters. Let's look at God's response. First, God responded in the first verse in that chapter with, do not fear. This author, Scott Bader Say, says this, I used to think that the angels in the Bible began their messages with do not be afraid because their appearance was so frightening. But I've come to think differently. I suspect that they begin this way because the quieting of fear is required in order to hear and do what God asks for us. The quieting of fear is required in order to hear and do what God asks of us. I think this is a fascinating and helpful way of looking at this. God has an important message for the Israelites, but that fear that was in the driver's seat needed to be quiet so that they could hear God. And God continues by saying, I have redeemed you. God is saying, you don't have to be afraid of the past or live in that brokenness. You are redeemed. To put aside, that fear must have seemed impossible for the exiles. But the fearless future that God opens up for them doesn't rest on their shoulders or political or military wisdom. It rests on God. And not only were they redeemed, God said, I have called you by name and you are mine. When I pass through the waters, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
They are claimed by God as God's family, and God promises to be with them even in overwhelming waters. What an incredible thing this is for the Israelites to hear. Despite their messy and chaotic past, God says they're precious, they're loved, created and formed purposefully by God. They are worthy, not because of anything they have done, even despite the things they have done, because God created them and claimed them. And this is true for us too, because we can't read this story apart from, from the lens of the prophecy fulfilled through Jesus. This is what we claim through baptism. Through Jesus, God has claimed us and we too belong to the family of God. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is with us. And our New Testament lesson that we read earlier reminds us of this too. Jesus is reassuring his disciples before his departure. Jesus guarantees them his peace. And peace here can be understood in the sense of the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom refers to the blessing of the Lord that results in completeness. And he will continue to give this peace even after his departure even now for us, because he loves us. This is the peace that surpasses our understanding. Because remember what it said in that scripture, it said, Jesus does not give as the world gives. His peace isn't circumstantial. He doesn't guarantee that the waters, the rough waters won't come. What he does guarantee is that we can have peace because he walks with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, even when the waters are rough. We can minimize our fear because we have not been abandoned. And we have less, when we have less of that toxic fear, we can have more of God's peace. And this is easy to say as we sit here and we worship and we read these words right now in this safe and secure place. But what does this look like in our real lives? I started to think about the time that I have most been filled with fear. And I have shared this um, several years ago, but I think it's worth sharing again. So first and foremost, being a parent is the scariest thing I have ever done. The moment that you realize that you are responsible for a life brings about fear. And I'm only nine and a half years in. I feel like there's so much more. And my most fear-filled moment was a parenting moment. So it was October of 2017, and I woke up in the early morning hours, which truly can only be attributed to God, to find my oldest child seizing and unconscious. At first, we had no idea what was happening. He was unconscious for almost 12 minutes. He came to, but he couldn't walk, and he couldn't talk, and he couldn't move his fingers, and he didn't know basic facts. And as the ambulance left with him, I was terrified. And my mind went down the trail of imagining all of the horrible things that could go wrong. 
I can feel that feeling that I had even now almost five years later as if it were happening because in that moment, my life changed. We were very, very fortunate. There was no permanent brain damage and after doctor's visits and many tests, we finally had a diagnosis. He has a type of epilepsy that, where his seizures occur um, in the middle of the night or as he wakes up in the morning. But the fear continued. Some healthy, some not. Decisions moving forward, medication or not. Would people judge us if we chose one course of treatment over the other? Are we making the right decisions for our child? How will this affect him when he's older? And of course, as you can imagine, I was terrified to put him in his own bed to sleep because I was so fearful of something happening to him. Even after we had a plan in place and the neurologist said it was totally safe to put Cooper in his own room and I knew it was time to do it, I couldn't. The fear wasn't gone and at this point it was turning into an unhealthy fear. And unhealthy fears are like weeds. Think of a dandelion. They start off tiny and harmless, but just one dandelion can make up to 15,000 seeds, each of which can survive six years in the soil. These little weeds will take root wherever they can find space and they can quickly crowd out the good stuff. So it's important to pull up the weed fast because the quicker you catch it and deal with it, the easier it is to get rid of. The longer you let it stay, the harder it will be to get rid of it. I had to stop and I had to pray. I had to listen to God to quiet and crowd out and lessen that unhealthy fear. I had to let God carry me through the rough waters and bring peace like a river to trust that God was with us and would continue to guide us. I prayed and I prayed, and finally, we did move him back to his own room. And I was so fearful, it physically pained me, and I didn't sleep those first few nights. But God was with me, and it was definitely the right and healthy thing for both of us. Because let's be real, it would be super awkward if he slept in our bed for the rest of his life. Really, when I think about what I want my boys to learn from me, it's not a culture of fear. I want them to learn that they can trust that God is with them no matter the circumstance. I want them to learn and know that they belong to God's family. I want them to know and understand and feel the peace of God in their hearts and to rest in that peace rather than to be overwhelmed by the troubled waters of fear. And friends, that is my prayer for us too. May we be overwhelmed with less fear and more peace so that we might flourish because less is more. Let us pray. Holy God, quiet our minds and our fears so that we may hear where you are calling us and so that we may truly rest in your peace. Help us to trust in you and know that you are with us every step of the way. Amen. You've
been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.